Welcome to the Two Hip Podcast. Today's guest is a recent friend and a co-worker, somebody I actually work with. I dragged them onto the podcast, and she went to the University of Kentucky, studied architecture twice there for two different degrees. Degrees is kind of what I mean, I guess. Um, she lived in Berlin for a little while, did some things for the American Institute of Architecture students, and... I'm curious to find out what has led her to this point in her life. So we'll dive into that with today's episode. Without further ado, my friend, Samantha Neat. Ooh, hey! Thank you for coming to the podcast. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I always butcher people in the intro in terms of describing them. Is there any way that um, uh, maybe you could explain yourself? Explain yourself. The hostile segment you explain you like you're on trial I will do my best um, <laughs> so I'm originally from Kentucky Simpsonville Kentucky but I grew up in uh, Louisville and I went to uh, UK like you said um, for architecture and then not the country not the country yeah. definitely Kentucky <laughs> um, the best in the south of course <laughs> and um, studied architecture there my undergrad and my master's degree and then I studied abroad in Berlin for four months total, so, yeah, and now I'm here in Philly. And now you're in Philly, yes. Yeah. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig back deep, and, and um, did you play club field hockey too? I did, yeah, <laughs> I did. <laughs> at did you at college that? level? Um, well, it's, yeah, it's club, I played it for one year. Okay, okay. It was not meant to be, Yeah, sure. You were just trying it out in college. Yeah. I think I went to three games. Yeah, I did that with rugby. Yeah, like I, but I even took like they had a rugby elective that I thought, oh, I'll, if I do it as an elective, like it'll force me to do it because we had like sports electives you yeah. could take occasionally. And I did rugby and I was like, it'll force me to be there because like with architecture school I never have time for practice, but if it's a class and I'm getting a credit for it, but did it work? Well, no, because it I found out those guys still went to practice like five six days a week and the class was just a bonus for them for them to get credit. So like, they were on the actual team. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I was on the team only one day a week. So you like I had, grown on the team. Yeah, yeah. I was just there, like, one day a week, and they're like, who is this dude? Like, he's not committed. He's not showing up all the time. So I dropped that very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Like, three games, really, maybe? Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe you went to practice twice. Yeah. Okay. So I understand completely. But I have a t-shirt, so. Yeah. So you were, you were a member for life. <laughs> um, and what did you do with the American Institute of Architecture Students? Which is, like, the AIA is... A known organization, by the way, for people who aren't architects listening to the podcast. And the AIAS is sort of the college student version mm-hmm. that does a lot of things. I'm curious what your involvement was. I was the secretary and the social media chair person. <laughs> Fancy. Yeah. So I basically posted on Instagram once a week. <laughs> I'm really, yeah, it, it is great. Okay, cool. Helped um, to help to set up meetings, all of that stuff. Yeah. Did you do you guys have like a like the Beaux Arts ball? Did you guys mm-hmm. do that? Yeah, we did that. We um, I helped set up uh, one of the I think it's called Forum now. I forget what it's called, but oh yeah, yeah, I think I know. What yeah, that. yeah. Um, that was like my sophomore year. We did Forum, and so it was all about materiality and and making things, and so helped to set that up as well. Right. Okay. Okay. Cool. So a little summary about you. Thank you. Um. So before we get like into the the questions here, the interrogation, um, 
I do like to just ask a really deep question right out of the gates that sometimes throws people for a loop, so take your time with answering it. Basically, it's the two hypocrisy. Two hypocrisy, like the recaptcha for authenticity. Meant to be easy on humans, hard on hipster bots. Can I say like a lot of the times? A lot of the times. Yeah, it's pretty awful, but I feel like I'm, I can be slightly judgmental and I, it, this isn't like a specific thing though. It's like often, and it's something that I've been like working on. It's like I'm very judgmental about other people, but I'm not self-reflective uh, okay. on what I myself am doing. Yeah, you like you'll say something about somebody else, and then yeah, you're like, and then, oh wait, I'm doing this. Yeah, I'm doing thing. the exact same thing. <laughs> and so that yeah, so I it's like not. It's sad to say that it's an ongoing struggle. But I think, as I pointed out in some previous episodes, I feel like that's the real human. It's the person who's like. Yeah, actually, I have problems with this, or I've said this, or I've yeah. done that. Like, to be a hundred percent authentic all the time is just almost fake. Like that's yeah. There's something off almost in that case. And I, I was saying to you on, on the drive over here that like, I try to do that, like to try to put that out, but I still have moments where I'm just like, like I'll do the same thing. Like yeah. I'll, I'll be criticizing some. You know, like, um, I have people in my life that do really nice things for me. And meanwhile, they'll do, like, one thing wrong, and I'll be and like, I'll on jump that. on it. Yeah. yeah, and then I'm like, they're just being a good person, and I, like, I happen to latch on this, like, one annoying thing. Yeah. Is it really worth it to be an asshole over that? Yeah. But in the moment, I still just, like, vent it, vomit it out. But in retrospect, I'm like, mm, maybe I need to calm down. Yeah, and I feel like I don't I don't let it out that much. I keep it in mm. too much, yeah. so it just, like, so it just festers. Yeah, and so it just sits there, and I'm like, yeah. oh, well, I this remember is what your... they did four years ago, and it... So oh, that long. Me. Okay, yeah. yeah. So you just like let it sit. Yeah. Yeah. My um, my mother, I love her, but she knows that like she'll do something that just like, yeah, just, just gets at me. The buttons. Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> like my favorite one that she does is, my wife and I, I genuinely think we we get along pretty well. Like you know, people have debates and arguments yeah. in, in relationships, especially when you've been together as long as we have. But you know, we'll have a conversation. We'll, it, it's our form of discussing and sometimes we'll be like a little snarky to each other like in a playful way from our perspective but my mom interprets it as like we're actually fighting so then she'll be like don't fight guys don't fight and then it's like well now i'm mad (laughs) and like now i want to really fight or like it'll turn into a real fight even though we weren't actually fighting or they'll pull you aside and be like hey is everything okay yeah this is is how we talk to each other this is our relationship and it might not be your relationship (laughs) but everybody has their own perspective so Okay, I appreciate that. That's good. Um, all right, so I'm, I'm kind of curious. I was talking to you. Um, I don't know how much of your politics and, and yeah. stuff like that you're willing to talk about. And we, we don't need to go down that road. But um, you seem pretty liberal, generally speaking. I'm not going to yeah. put you in a category. like a, you know, In a very generic sense, I'm just going to say that much. But um, when I was digging up dirt on you, cool. I, I was like, wow, her background is not what I would have expected. In high school. In high school. What high school did you go to? So I went to a Christian private school from preschool until senior year. Wow. Yeah. In Louisville. Louisville, yeah. And so the more I, I don't move my, or the more I move my tongue while I say that word, it's like Louisville. 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 Like Louisville. Louisville. So right, it's actually not moving your tongue at all. It's yeah, it's Louisville. kind of just, you just kind of like farted out of your mouth <laughs> and just kind of blurts. And it's, Yeah. But a lot of people in, like, Philly, they don't, when I say Louisville, they're like, oh, Louisville? 
And I'm just like, I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But. Okay. Yeah, that's like, it's grating when I hear people say um, the Boston Celtics. It's Celtic, but like it's become Celtics. But it still hurts my ears to hear it. Or like Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. yeah. Notre Dame, Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess at that point, it's been so long, it's, like, become its own thing. But there was a while where it still, like, hurts to hear. Yeah. yeah. Like, when you first are acquainted with, there are two Notre Dames, and yeah. one is not Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, I had a friend who's actually on one of the podcast episodes, Zach Zeiger. Um, he, uh... What a name, by the way. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Uh, I just thought it was, like, a nickname. When I saw <laughs> Zagger, I was like, oh, it's his... He, like, that's rolled sweet. joints or something. I was like, that's just his, like, AOL Instant <laughs> Messenger username or something. And he's not even, like, doesn't do drugs or anything at all. <laughs> And he's just, like, yeah, especially at that point in his life, was, like, pretty straight edge. But uh, I always thought, I thought he was, like, the stoner in his roommate yeah. collection, but it was the complete opposite. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, he, um, we always got in heated debates over, uh, like, pronunciations of things. And I always said Carnegie Hall. Like, everything, every movie I've ever seen yeah. is always Carnegie Hall. And he's like, it's Carnegie. Like, Carnegie. I've never heard that. And I'm like, that's obnoxious. Like, it's, it hurts to hear that in yeah. my ears. But he said, and I can kind of understand his argument here in retrospect. At the time, I was very, like, defensive. But he said, like, he was from Pittsburgh. And yeah. everyone in Pittsburgh says Carnegie. So Carnegie is, like, how it was pronounced yeah. his whole life. Like, that's how everybody around him called it. And yet everywhere in, like, the history, it's just Carnegie. Yeah. So, like, should we call it Carnegie as obnoxious as that is? No. No. I disagree. <laughs> you disagree. But, like, I understand, like, Things should be called what the locals call them as much as you can without changing yeah. language. Like, I, I always am annoyed when countries, like, are translated. Like, I know I know why it happened, but yeah. at this point in history, like, why can't Florence just be, like, Firenze? Yeah. Or, like, is it too obnoxious? It just yeah. sounds obnoxious when we all say it, it's right? So- or, like, yeah. Italy can just be Italia. Like, Venice, Germany can Venice, be Deutschland. Yeah. yeah, like, Venezia. Like, can we just, why does it, because there ends up being, like, 12 names across all these different countries. Like, yeah. I understand when the, 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 the alphabet changes, like the actual language is, is sort of different in that way, but when it's the same alphabet, why can't we just say that? I also kind of agree, but then <laughs> it just seems so douchey. It's the douchiness, really. That's yeah, what, really that's what is, prevents that's us from doing that. Like, yeah. I, I know that Italy is not pronounced Italy in Italy, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to say Italia out loud. Right. Every time you say Italia, it's actually that's like the most obnoxious thing you can say. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I feel like if we could get past the douchiness, yeah, maybe everyone would just call the places. Just getting past the douchiness. Yeah, yeah. So that prevents it. But anyway, you're not an expert on linguistics. That's not why I brought (laughs) you on. Did you know? Um, So yeah, I find it interesting that you were you were in the Christian Academy, and now I feel like you have pretty liberal. And I, I don't know your current religious uh, beliefs, but it, just from my vibe, I didn't get, like, Christian Academy. Yeah. So so what was your experience? Like, how did... I'm curious, like, where you were then and, and who you are now yeah. as far as that aspect of your life. So I I technically... My mamma, I was... My mamma from when we were talking about her in the car. Yeah. She helped found the school. Oh, wow. So oh, it was oh, wow. kind of like I That's had no roots. choice yeah. to, but to go there. Um, so, yeah, she founded it in, I think, the 80s. And there were, like, 12 people that went to school, and now there's, like, hundreds. But, um, yeah, it was either that or I went to Shelby County High School and didn't want to go there. <laughs> and also my parents forced me to go to Cal, so 
Okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it was weird, like, going to school there because I felt, I didn't feel like I fit into that, like, sort of Christian mindset, but also because I was just, like, an asshole <laughs> when I was growing up. Like, I was just rude and, like, just disrespectful and, like, thought that I was very rebellious. And so I was like, okay, can I say you can say whatever words okay. you want. Yeah. I was like, fuck this. Like, I I don't want to be a part of this. And so I kind of, like, veered off, like, indefinitely for a few years and just was not religious, was, like, not even close. And I didn't... It was sort of like I, I was so attached to the school that by, just by saying, like, oh, I go to Cal, that there was a stigma attached to it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be associated with that. So I think that I just, like tried my hardest to go in the opposite direction um and i think that i've kind of come back around in a way i'm not i don't know i mean i identify as christian but um it's not like i guess the typical like i don't go to church maybe i'm just religious see i don't even know like i i believe in god right so so start there and then go from there yeah yeah um yeah i believe in god i mean i I sometimes listen to church. I don't, I mean, the thing is, is like, um, it was just so ingrained in me. Like I always had Bible classes. I don't know anything about the Bible, but I had classes from preschool until my senior year. And like, yeah, like we had chapel every Wednesday Mm -hmm. and people would go on mission trips, which I think are complete bullshit, by the way. They would send people to like Nicaragua for a week. And they wouldn't do anything there. They would just take pictures mm-hmm. with these orphans and then come back and be like, look what we did. Yeah. Like, this is great. And so it just, it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth knowing that, you know, I was a part of that and I'm kind of ashamed of it. But it's so hard because, like, my mama helped found the school and she was such an amazing person. And actually, she's on my fridge. She's right there. Oh, there she is. Yeah. Mama, if you couldn't guess. <laughs> Translates to grandmother. Yes, or in the south. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's new to me. I didn't know that people didn't know that mammal was like a thing. It's it's a Kentucky thing. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I'm learning so many things. Oh, um, yeah. So I, I think it's interesting. I actually went to a Christian summer camp. I, okay, I didn't know that for a very also long went time. To a Christian summer camp. Yeah, and it was like one of those things that my whole family, all yeah. of my aunts and uncles, were counselors there and went there. Yeah, my mom went to the summer camp that I went to. Yeah, so deep roots, and I was like, I'm going to do all this. And I, I, I liked the camp, even though every time I was there, I kind of felt weird when there was, like, discussion of religion. And, and I, I didn't really question it that much. And um, I just, I love the people and the environment so much. Mm-hmm. And I felt generally pretty free and, like, well-treated that I never, I was like, maybe I believe this stuff. But I just, I wasn't, like, convinced 100%. And then um, I, I liked it so much, but I kind of had veered away and then had many years of questioning religion and still wasn't sure where I stood. But I, I wanted to go back, and there was a, an opportunity to be a counselor there years later. And I was like, yeah, sign me up. So I basically, like, went to a church to get a pastor's approval. Yeah. Like, I just started going to a church. That's wild. Basically just to get the approval so I could be yeah. a camp counselor, which is kind of, like, not cool. <laughs> it's kind of a douchey thing to do. Um but I just wanted to, there. Yeah, I was like, oh, I should just go here. So a pastor, and then I like, I never went to that church again after that yeah. summer. Um, so I feel kind of terrible about that. So sorry to those people <laughs> if 
they're listening to my podcast, which I'm sure they are, because the oh, listen- sure. listenership is just yeah. amazingly large. Um, so, yeah, it was one of those things, though, where I felt really, like, even more conflicted, because now I had to actually try to teach it and, like, pretend I knew it on a level that I could teach it. But I would always go for, like, I would veer away from the super literal interpretations and focus on, like, moral benefits of certain stories and really try to teach, like, the stories that I felt like had a moral highlighting aspect and try to translate that to real life rather than focusing on, like, so-and-so begets so-and-so and, and, like, very specific weird stories that to me were, like, not, never really resonated. Yeah. I I, I can't agree with you on the feeling good at summer camp. I never, (laughs) I always felt, like, very awkward. And the thing is, is, like, I can't separate it from was that actually how I felt or was that like me trying to portray myself as something else. Right. And um, I, I I don't feel that way anymore, but yeah, it just I would never be a camp counselor at White Mills is what it was called. <laughs> Ever. Yeah, I was a camp counselor at a place called Hallowasa in New Jersey. Hallelujah they have way What much a Savior. Better camp name. <laughs> it sounds like American, but it's Hallelujah What a Savior. That's what it was like an acronym. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, but it was, I don't, I just like, I just love the people so much. And yeah. I, think I have this uh, great camp counselor um, named uh, Julio Nieves, which stands for um, July Snow, if you know Spanish, um, which is like an awesome name. Yeah. Um, and I think he lives in Philly still now with his family. But great guy and just like, had, like gave a great impression. But then when I was an actual counselor, yeah, there were a lot more like, internal conflicts, as I said, and I've actually, like, I had some moments where there were super conservative yeah. pastors, and we would always have a guest pastor in addition to, like, the team that was there, and that was always, like, the person who'd, like, r- ruffle somebody's feathers, or, yeah. like, usually they'd get along, but there was, like, one guy, two conservative, <laughs> even for the conservative, like, Baptist, Christian, uh, some camp <laughs> people, <laughs> and I just remember, like, I also remember all this, like, hypocrisy, like, everybody, like, no one wanted to talk like, everyone wanted to be, like, saved and, like, you know, not uh, have sex until marriage, which, you know, I, I understand the moral reasoning yeah. for all this stuff and, like, where the logic is. But then at the same time, like, as soon as the pastor or, like, the person in charge left, like, all the camp counselors are talking yeah. about, like, like their most scandalous, like, fantasies and, like, yeah. like things that they were like, well, I think it's going to be like this, right? And, like, yeah. like, really, like, perverted, like, stuff, which... Again, at that age, it's all normal in my mind, but coming from this, like, conservative Christian background, it just seems really, like, contradictory. Yes. And, uh, and knowing that now, I, like, go back and I'm like, so all my camp counselors were, like, having all these thoughts when they were preaching, like, abstinence and, like, yeah. preaching all these other things about, like, moral, moral issues that they were, like, they weren't doing. Like, I had other camp counselors who, um, like, one had been to jail for a little while, like, just, like, some people had some bumpy lives. And yeah. Generally good people, but in some kind, sometimes it was just like they were in the wrong place, or just that that age where you just do rebellious, annoying things, and something went too far. Um, yeah, so I don't know what the point of this is, but it's one of those it's things where critical, like, but also I don't know. It's yeah, it, I think I, I have I've had a couple of conversations about religion because with my personal life, that's one of those things where I felt like the most hypocritical, mm-hmm. and I've now landed on atheists which some people maybe think is it too extreme, but that's kind of where, where I put myself. Yeah. But at the same time, I still go to um, a universalist Unitarian church. Yeah. Um, I always wanted to go to one. Yeah. Yeah, it's very... I don't know much about it, but... I, we can talk sort of off air. <laughs> you don't want to discuss all of the ins and outs? <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's weird because it's... 
I've said uh, before, but um, it's the kind of place where, like, all the couples I talk to, there's, like, one person in a relationship, and it doesn't matter if it's male or female, it splits either way, but um, there's, like, one person in, in the relationship who was, like, committed atheist, like, like mm-hmm. pretty, pretty definitive, like, I'm an atheist, like, has yeah. been an atheist for X number of years. And then there's the other person that's, like, right on the fringe of that, but still, like, wants to be spiritual. And they're like, well, let's go try this out. Or, like, I really want the environment of the yeah. church that I liked. Like, there's all, like, the, all like the, the community. The community. Yeah. yeah. And But I don't want, like, the really strict, like, hey, you can't think outside the box sort of environment. Yeah. So this is just an environment for people who can, like, are allowed to think out of the box and ask mm-hmm. questions, which I think is cool. And I don't, I honestly don't attend it that often. The thing I go to, they have, like, these groups for parents where you can basically just vent about parenting troubles. Yeah. And they try to focus our thoughts and, like, we have adult conversations about, like, things that our adults are struggling with without having to, like, deal with yeah. kids. So it's, like, an off time and they have, um, they have, like, daycare. It's awesome. It's like group um, therapy in a way. Basically, yeah, I've actually described it that way. It's basically yeah. group therapy. Um, and coincidentally, a lot of the people in there are therapists. And it's their therapy. Yeah. Um, so, like, all the therapists go to this place to vent. Um, yeah, so it's it's an interesting place. And I'm not... I know I've mentioned it a bunch of times on the podcast, so I apologize to listeners. <laughs> if you think I'm, like, trying to sell it to you, you can do whatever you want to do. But uh, it's worked for me. Like, the, my wife and I, for a long time, we're going back and forth. We tried a lot of different types of belief systems just to, like, see what resonated with us. Everything from, like... The spiritual healing meditation of Ooh. of vibrant bells in this place in California to like Buddhist uh, ceremonies and, and uh, Buddhist services to like some things that I couldn't even repeat the name because it's like so complicated or long or convoluted. But uh, um, yeah, just I think it's okay. Like it takes time. You, you're at that point when you're younger where you just like everything you do is is sort of hypocritical. Yeah, and you just have to kind of keep stumbling through it until you find something where you're like oh wait this is the real me it's finally the real me in this setting yeah and then i was like i'm good here like i could hang out here mm-hmm. like even even the fact that i don't go that often isn't a problem yeah. where i never felt like that at other churches yeah like yeah. i always felt guilty if i didn't show up for a week or two yeah and uh i i literally have never felt that feeling this yeah. at this place so yeah do what you want to do but let's move it's on to something yeah. yeah yeah we'll we'll end it there um so I'm curious about you, you have you, you're like very deep architecture. Like some people I have that it's like tangential, like they went to architecture school yeah. and now they do something sort of off to the side. And you're like deeply rooted in architecture. Um, and you went to Kentucky for your masters mm-hmm. and your bachelor's. Um, what like it, to, to me, people were like that committed, like that's the real you. It's like you just love it so much. You're just yeah. like, I want to do this all the time. Like, is that is that your your viewpoint, or yes. do you? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I really I love it so much, and I don't even know if it's like the actual idea. Well, you can argue about like what is architecture and what is not, but right. like the idea of actual architecture, like no offense, doing what we're doing right now at work. It's I think that I'm more interested in like teaching, I've always wanted to, like I thought about getting my PhD for a while, and for a while I literally graduated a year ago, so I've been thinking about it for like six months, but I don't think it's the right thing for me right now because I'm like so terrified of public speaking that I physically would be ill every day, and I was like, I had to weigh my options. I was like, if I just do something that I sort of don't like every day versus something that I really love, but I'm like 
can't even wake up in the morning, I was, yeah. So I just decided that I was just going to not teach at all and just not get my PhD. Um, that might change, though. But, um, yeah, I really love being in school, and I would literally give anything to be back in school. And I know that, like, everybody's always, oh, college is, like, the best years of your life, and I know that's, like, so lame to say, but they were my favorite, like, six years of my life, for sure. And, um, yeah, like, all of my studios, I just like the theoretical side of architecture a lot, mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm missing that when I'm, like, actually in the workforce. There right. is no theory at all. So it's kind of difficult to, like, reconcile that fact. But, like, I don't have what I had in school. Yeah. And especially since I just got out of school, I, like, lived in this, like, fantasy world for six years. And then you come out and you're, like, doing, like, window schedules. And it's rough. Yeah, it's. I think it's, it's the worst that first year. This is actually part of another reason I wanted to have you on is, like, you're not, like, super, super young. And I'm not going to say your age or anything on the air, but... On the air, like this <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm, I mean, that's not what my point is. My point is just that, like, I've been talking to people that are like my age, which is only a few years later, yeah. but we're, it's just like just enough time for you to have, like, not forgotten college, but like realized that, like, you can do a lot of those like things in life that you liked from college in yeah. the adult world, like, grown up professional world, and like, yeah. you can also get past like the boring. Cad monkey sort of like right out of college nonsense. Yeah. And like actually get to the fun level of, of doing work and like people start paying you real amounts of money mm. and like all that stuff does fall into place. But I was curious with someone just slightly younger, like if there, that frustration still was there because I remember that. Yeah. It's very frustrating and like on the verge of like depressing because you're so used to being like having this creative outlet and then it just shuts down and then you're working 40 hours a week and you come home and you're exhausted and mm -hmm. you don't want to do anything but you have like all these ideas still and like my nightmare is me not having like ideas and like thoughts outside of work right that's like my actual <laughs> nightmare but right now I'm not even doing anything with them so what's the point like I come home and I'm just like wow I could I could work on this thing or maybe I could do this and I just like sit down and watch tv and it's <laughs> I just completely forget yeah it's hard and, yeah. and especially when you get like in that cycle of where you're watching something too like you just get absorbed in it. I, I mean, yeah. I remember thinking back before I had kids, I was like, oh, man, I'm so busy. Like, I can't do all these things. And, like, you yeah. just are so exhausted. Yeah, I think I'm busy now. And then I'm like, oh, you're doing a podcast. You have kids. You're doing competitions. And you're working. And I'm like, I have no excuse to be so lazy. Like, I don't, I don't have kids. Like, it's, it's, just, it's but astronomically I think, worse. I think one of those things that happens, though, like, the more busy you are, it highlights the how limited your time is. Yeah. And I always used to say this. I did a, the theater group that I've mentioned many times in, in college. But the big takeaway from that that I always mentioned was, like, by doing that, I had a thing where I had to be there. I had to have rehearsals. I had yeah. to have all these obligations. So I knew I only have a limited amount of time to work on my studio. So I actually probably spent less time, like, total hours on the, all these studio projects than my friends. Yeah. But I still ended up getting the same grades. And that, that after realizing that very quickly, I was like, wait, all these people pulling on nighters are wasting their time? Like, I don't have to do any of that shit? Like, yeah. I can just I can just work a couple hours on this thing and, like, get my point across, and that's all I need to do? Um, yeah, I think it just takes some time to, like, find that sweet spot. And I think you're right there with I the work-life so. balance where, like, I remember right out of school just being like, oh, I want to go back to school. Yeah. And then I went to grad school. And then I 
I was like, it's not exactly the same, but it was still like sort of satisfied most of what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but then I'm I, like, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I'm, you're the I'm, guest on this. I'm, I'm like talking. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm like sort of. I, I get what you're saying, but it's it's a little bit different for me because I'm the person where like if I only have one thing to do and it doesn't take up a lot of my time, then the rest of the time is just wasted. So I have to constantly be busy. I have mm-hmm. to have a million things to do at once. And then I, I don't, like, fall. Like, it's either all or nothing. Like, I right. either have one thing to do or I have a million things to do. And that my mom is sort of similar where she does, like, 75 things. And if she's not doing stuff, she feels, like, out of whack. Like, she mm-hmm. doesn't feel right. Right. And so that's kind of how I'm feeling is where I just have this one thing that I do five days a week. And then I'm just like, okay, so now what? Like so I maybe have... you need to find the other thing. Oh, yeah. Or things. I need to. I was actually, I was thinking about... Um, I did printmaking in college. Um, it was almost my minor. Okay. And so I was yeah. Like, maybe I'll go back into that. But yeah. And I I saw you did something cool. What was it? You did one thing. That <laughs> one was cool. singular. Yeah. Um. I there was like this interesting art piece you did a few years back, probably it undergrad. It looked like three pieces and it was like one was a section one was like a bunch of like graphics of crosses and squares and then the other one was like it's kind of pink and cluster uh, yeah sure was it like on a column well i just the section was really interesting because the way that it it almost looked like a bird but like i don't even know how to describe it i think that was a bow arts installation maybe that's what it was that we did um and it was called clusterfuck and (laughs) It won because there was only two entries into the competition, and they had three openings, so we had to build it. Um, and yeah, that was that was like the first thing that I ever actually like helped to design and then helped to build, and it right. was it was a literal cluster. Yeah. So, it, but lessons yeah. learned. Yes, hopefully. definitely. Yeah. So. so I think the the frustrating thing, like when you transition from architecture school, that nobody talks about, is like. It's so, most schools are very, very design oriented, like Mm -hmm. not really at all about the technical stuff. Even the schools that like claim to be technically oriented, they still focus on design. You don't really learn anything at the structures classes, like you just take the exams. Right, and you like just barely squeak by on the structures. (laughs) You probably don't really care that much about that part. Or like, yeah, there's so many things that I just squeaked by on and then I was like, all right, design, design, design. This is the cool class. This is where I get to have all my ideas out. But the reality of the job is that nine, like you're solving puzzles for someone else's shitty mess that they came up to you with. Yeah. And rarely do you get to just put your art forth, you know, and like yeah. have your idea as your own idea. And so you're just like trying to take someone else's shit pile and like clean it yes. up and organize it in a way that makes sense. And then when you finally do that, they're like, well, now I want to do it for half the amount of money. Mm. And you're like, how the hell am but I supposed can't, to do that? It's ar- yeah, it's already... <laughs> At a point, you can't yeah, like it's make basically it less. just a box. <laughs> yeah, and it just keeps going that way, and then at the end, you you see the building, and you're just like, I didn't make that. Yeah, it's someone else designed it. So, oh, maybe I could be a developer instead. And then I, I do hear a lot of architects that like, go into like development and real estate, that but that's also sense. yeah, that's also got a lot of its own mess too. Like it sounds like the easy solution. Yeah, but they have a ton of politics to deal with and like a ton of other shit to deal with. And ultimately, they're pushed by the money, mm. which is why they make those decisions. Like, it's just, it's a, it's unfortunate. Like, you you get told all these stories about these people you, like, that your teachers idolize. Yeah. And, like, these star architects, and yet that's not really how most people operate. Yeah, it's difficult to come to that 
like realization and accept the fact that that's like one percent is the Stark attacks and the more, maybe more than one percent, but they the ones who actually feel creative and I feel like the the one thing that I'm I just want to feel proud of what I've worked on mm-hmm. and I feel like in all of my jobs I don't one hundred percent feel proud of the end product. Oh yeah, and I never felt that way in architecture school and so I think that that's something else because it was I, your idea it was, yeah it was yours but then you also you spent so much time on it and you know you you got feedback and you used that feedback and you got to a certain point where you could stand up in front of people and and discuss it with them but then and I guess that it's because no one's coming to you and they're saying hey can you like chop this half off because I don't it's just not working mm-hmm. like we we need the real estate elsewhere right and yeah, so it's just a lot more, a lot more moving parts, and it's it's it is difficult to like come to that conclusion. Yeah, so for any young listeners who want to be architects, <laughs> yeah, just understand that it's rough. <laughs> beyond the design school, there's that reality. Like I, I never really had any architecture friends of my family. I don't know about yeah. you, but like I never got to tour architecture studios when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I worked in wood shops, and I got to build what I wanted to. And I was always told that like architects did all this stuff played with Legos and they were like, oh, if you want to, if you like Legos, you should be an architect. Yeah. And so like, I was like, oh, sure. It's yeah. always the, yeah. Yeah. That to. was like the logical choice, but my, really it's not, not like yeah. reality. My dad, he always wanted to be an architect and he, his parents actually told him that he could not do that. And oh. so they made him become a pharmacist. And so I like took that dream and <laughs> like I, I you co-opted to, his dream. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, yeah. It was definitely, like, we would go through old houses when I was little, like, under construction. Mm -hmm. And I had these, like, big ideas of what I wanted to do, and it all changed. (laughs) For sure. Yeah, it's, like, sometimes, though, the thing I question is, like, do I actually like architecture, or was that planted by, like, my mom? Yeah. You know, in my brain, when I said the Lego stuff, like, years ago, because I literally go back to fifth grade, and I have one of those booklets that I filled out. Yeah. Where it says, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, architect. Yeah. Which is rare that you actually become the thing that you said back then. Yeah, I don't even think that I was saying that. But I knew, my dad, I knew about my dad. Right. And I was looking through homes. And I was, like, drawing plans for my friends. Yeah. And I never, like, like, said it. Yeah. I, oh, I said it a long time. And then, then I just kept saying it for years. And it just... But even when I, when I was applying to colleges, though, I applied to, like, half engineering schools. Because mm-hmm. they were called um, architectural engineering. And I was like, yeah. that's the same thing, right? I'm like, no, no. That's, like, <laughs> structures... Four houses and buildings. Yeah. Like, it's not the same thing at all. <laughs> and I really had no clue. Like, I was very naive. And yeah. that, that's kind of insane to, like, half the schools you apply to, you don't even know what you're applying. Yeah. It's amazing that people, like, the whole college process is kind of absurd in terms of it application is. and, like, making life decisions at a point in your life where you really don't even know what you're doing. And especially if you don't have a support system to get you to that point. Like, I was lucky that my parents took me to a few of the colleges that I was interested in, but a majority of people don't, their parents are not going to take them yeah. to go to school. Especially if they're far away, it's kind of hard yeah. to do. like we drove to Ohio, that was as far as we went, um, to Miami of Ohio, and, like, there are parents who won't even, like, who don't have time. Mm-hmm. They have jobs, and they can't drive you ten minutes away for, like, a scheduled tour. Right. And so it's it's completely, yeah, it's, it's rough. I feel very thankful, but it's difficult to, like, know that there are people don't have the same opportunities right yeah so okay so this the true you is this this design architect and and professor 
future professor. Um, yeah, the, I want to talk about the professor thing because, like, I did that for a little while, mm-hmm. uh, just as an adjunct uh, at a couple of places in Philly area, um, and I, I for the longest time thought I wanted to do that. I got my master's because I thought I wanted mm-hmm. to do that, and in my undergrad was a was a professional one, so I could I could have gotten oh, yeah. licensed. You didn't need it, yeah. I didn't need to get the master's. Some some programs like with yours I, was, yeah, mine was a four plus two. So. Right, so the four plus two just. It's kind of yeah. a gray area, but some architecture schools, like if you do what's called a BARC, it's a Bachelor mm-hmm. of Architecture degree, you can be licensed in five years. Well, not licensed in five years, but after five years, you have a professional yeah. degree that will allow you to be licensed if you go down that track. Mm-hmm. And do then you have to do uh, three years of like internship and a seven-part test. So easy. Um, but yeah, if you go down the other route, uh, you can do an undergrad that's like a four-year undergrad that focuses in architecture but isn't really like the professional mm-hmm. degree, and then you do a two-year grads program. Yeah. Um, but in my case, I already had the professional degree. So going to grad school was like, what's the a point? addition, yeah. Yeah, and, and I went, and I felt like it was a little bit of a waste of time, other than the fact that my wife and I desperately wanted to get away and like have, like it was the happiest place in America yeah. Uh, at least that's what Oprah said, and so we went there <laughs> she and checked it out. The truth, yeah, so. and and it was it was a pretty amazing place, uh, but it was kind of a bubble, and um, and then but then when I came back to Philly and tried to work, I realized how ridiculously low paid uh, adjunct professors are. And I, I guess I always knew that, but I thought I would be able to somehow circumvent it and I'd become like a an associate professor in no yeah. time. And it's just so much grunt work. And when you're and I was already kind of like. By the time I started teaching, I was already pretty deep in the profession and started making, like, real money. Yeah. And I was like, I'm making so much more money now. Like, why would I want to backtrack and do all that mm. when I can do this? Um, and I felt the same way years ago. I, I went on a tour of uh, Paramount. I had an aunt who worked for, uh, like, she's an interior decorator okay. for, for sets. Mm. And I did this. Like, that, that to me was, like, a cool thing that I wanted to do was set design. But I had already worked a real job at that point. Yeah. And made like good money, and then I saw these people who were PAs like for like ten years, <laughs> yeah, making like way less money than my already yeah. ridiculously low salary. Like I'm talking about my first architecture job. Yeah, they were making like a fraction of that. And I was like, I can't like s- like suffer through that yeah. for five, ten years to get to, to be to the point where you already are. Yeah, a set designer when I could just have a real building built mm-hmm. like tomorrow at this job. And even though it's harder to suffer through, I'm creating something that's like a real thing mm. and has to deal with real constraints. And as, as painful as those real constraints are, are, I feel like it's like somehow it's a badge of honor to have suffered through the real yeah. stuff it's versus like, someone yeah. who can build a set that has no reality to it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it has not, no constraints. See, I would rather do the set design stuff. Well, maybe I should set you up with that person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Send me over there. Yeah, but uh, it is fascinating, like the the sort of ways that architecture can branch off. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a very useful. It is. Degree. Yeah, you can do really a lot of things like just graphic design. Yeah, I feel um, like like you just learn that on the side from yeah. school, and you have this like skill set that people go to school for specifically mm-hmm. for. But you already have like the information, like you you learned it on the side, and so it's it's nice. Yeah, I had a I had a friend who uh, I have several I have a couple friends. Um, Not just one. <laughs> yeah, I, I have one of my friends in particular. Uh, she went to school for architecture with with me, um, and she wanted to go into graphic design. But the hard part was, even though that, like your logic is correct, 
and I think if you're trying to do graphic design on the side, that makes sense. She was trying to work at like real professional graphic design yeah. studios in New York. Then you have to. And they were not very sold initially, so she had to get a lot of intern and extra like experience. Yeah kind of doing freelance jobs before she built up her own personal portfolio to be like, hey, look, no, seriously, I know how to do this. And now she's finally at a point where I think she got a full-time job at a graphic design studio. Yeah. But it took a couple of years to like get to that level. Because even though you, yes, I agree you had that experience, the graphic design people are like, well, I spent four well, or yeah, five years doing that. Far more advanced. Yeah. <laughs> and you basically kind of did it as a side Yeah, thing. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, nonetheless, it's, it's still a helpful degree. And I think the thing I always said was like, architecture school teaches you how to learn like mm-hmm. how to analyze things how to critique things it's a good process in terms of like how you go about getting to the next step like yeah i, I call it puzzle solving because you're like you're always trying to figure it out and get to the next thing and like mm-hmm. how can you advance this and i don't know that every job does that like some things are more straightforward yeah and it doesn't force you to like analyze it or go around and try it to doesn't figure out give the problem. you like the you need to do this and then you need to do this and right it's just like this is the big picture and got to figure it out yeah yeah so all right so we've gotten we've gotten into the teaching stuff you kind of want to do that but you hate speaking you really don't think you'll ever ever do that or Mm, probably never no never just public speaking it's really like do you think it'll just be painful every time yes probably have you done it at all like what are some examples um it's really it's not even like so i just automatically black out when i (laughs) like stand up in front of people, I just, like, spit things out of my mouth, and I can't remember it right after, mm. I'll throw up, like, it physically, like, it's bad. Wow. So, yeah, I just am, like, I don't want to get, like, physically ill Yeah, <laughs> so, if I, like, signed you up for a story slam? I would probably not show up. I would move, <laughs> maybe. What if, what if, like, this, what if I put your name in the hat at a story slam, and I invited you along as a guest, and I tripped you, and, I, and I, you were there hanging I out? I would literally run away. <laughs> and they called I'm your name, so you just run away. Yeah. So it's really strong. Yes, it's very strong. It's almost too much. Like I, before every single review in um, school, I would I would throw up. Yeah, well, that is sort of a nauseating thing. Though. Yeah, it's so nerve wracking. Yeah. And then I would just stand up there and black out and be like, "Okay, I mean that wasn't bad." And I think that afterwards, I'm like, "This wasn't so bad." But then I'm just like, "Well, wait a second, I did throw up right before." <laughs> well, I think. Um... I think I still, like, even with the storytelling, I, I, was, I was being a little bit uh, obnoxious a minute ago when we were talking about this before the podcast, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's easy. And I just get up there. Yeah. But no, I, I, the, I 100% respect people who can do that. Well, the, but I'm going to tell you the truth is it's not entirely that. Like, I still, yeah. like, as, as you're talking, I'm like, oh, you know what, though? I sit there before they call my name, and I'm just like, am I next? Am I going to have to do this? I'm all about memorizing enough. I don't have this yeah. part. Like, I'm thinking a million things. And, like, when people have gone with me, I'm completely off my game. Like, I'm just, like, I have to talk to this person, and I can't focus because yeah. I'm trying to think of this, and I don't know that last line I'm supposed to say. And, like, I am stressed out about all these things. And then I get up there, and it's not a blackout so much as, like, a roller coaster. And yeah, at the end, it just kind of, like, like, rolls, and you yeah. make it work. And I'm like, what did I just say? <laughs> I don't even know at the end. I really, sometimes I'm just, like, I don't know if I said There's, like, this whole chunk of the conversation. Yeah, I'm not sure like, if I said not, it or I, I skipped this. it. <laughs> like, that thing didn't happen. And you just skip through time, and then at the like a couple weeks later, I'm like, oh, there's a video of that thing now. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'll I want to watch that. Week to watch <laughs> yeah. that. I've literally given it to my wife, like, can you just can you look <laughs> at it and <laughs> tell me if it's <laughs> as terrible as I think it is? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's painful. Even when I like, it's something I like to do. <laughs> it's yeah. still painful. So I imagine for people that don't even like like to do that kind of thing, it's just 
It's nope. hell. It's so bad. And then I'm just like, I'll just leave that to people who enjoy it and who are much better at it than I am. Yeah. Just, you can have that. Well, it's I'll just funny to me because you seem very sociable. So, like, it, it seems yeah. at odds with your personality type. Ooh. Yeah, no. Can't get up in front of people. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So now I don't, I'd like... So, okay, so in terms of you you feeling like you need to find these side hobbies, you talk about printmaking. Yeah. Maybe we'll use this as your therapy session. We'll work through this yeah. and we'll try to find, like, because I do think, even though I'm not recommending you do story slam, <laughs> storytelling, whatever, or comedy, but I do think having that thing, like having something else where I'm like, I'm creating, this is 100% my creation. Yeah. And while I might get critique or people might not like it, I have a place where I can do that thing. Yeah. unrestricted I think that did help me find balance like in my day-to-day -day life where I was like oh architecture is fun and I'm, I'm doing that most of the mm -hmm. time but then at some point someone comes down and puts the reality on, on it right and it makes it harder to accept and things change yeah but if I can go home and I, I have this thing I can do where it's an outlet and I can just write and I can and then yeah. I can whether I'm talking or not even if I'm just writing sometimes it's just like venting do you so what are your things where you feel like you're doing that I mean I think that it's it's obviously, like, architecture or any sort of design, and, like, I did a couple installations, that helps, but then, because you were talking about how you go, like, you, you go home and you get this thing that makes you feel like yourself, and that's, I, like, have an existential crisis, like, once a day, basically, on this, <laughs> because it's, like, why, why would I be doing something every day, five days a week, just to look forward for that one day that I go to studio to like do right. printmaking? Yeah. And so it's just like, then why, why am I even doing that at all? And so then I second guess myself and I'm just like, I don't actually need to be doing this. Like right. this is just one day of the week and that's all I'm looking for is this one day. Yes. That sounds very negative. When you say um, that yeah. Way. It's like I... very, like I, I'm like, I straddle the line between like, like severe nihilism and just like trying to remain hopeful. But I, I understand your, I understand the logic behind yeah. it. Like it's definitely like irrational. But and no, I but understand. it's actually, it's actually very rational. It's like, well, it's like the opposite. It's like, it's a little, it's both. Little because, because you I, I understand to, it. You're, you're like, if I, I've asked myself this question too, where I'm like, if I'm living every day, like doing architecture, if that's really what I want to do. I gotta be doing the best architecture. Yeah. And I gotta be doing this. And that was my logic, too, for a long time, especially right mm -hmm. after school. I was like, I need to be doing that. And I tried to work for all these firms. And then I realized the work-life environment in all those places was miserable. Like, mm -hmm. the places that actually do that on a regular basis, it wasn't – it was, like, it was too aggressive, too intense for me. And I was like, I actually like the lifestyle where I get to do this most of the time. I get to draw. I get to play on a computer model. Like, the fact that I work and I build houses in 3D on a computer and get to it's play around with it. Yeah. It's like, that's kind of cool. Like, yeah. that's, I basically get to create a video game. Don't have to worry about, like, constraints of a real video game or anything that complicated. Mm -hmm. But, like, get to sort of do this little thing and make views and make these all little cool perspectives, create the design. And then if reality is a little bit more frustrating, I have some balance. To me, like, it's that other thing is not, it's not just, like, the mistress. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, I, I think it's okay to have, like, a thing to balance out the other thing. But I understand yeah. you, you, like, you seem more, like, I gotta do one thing and focus yeah. on it. I want to one hundred percent be like in love with what I'm doing all the time, or else it just is like fake to me. Right. And Which is sort of what this is, whole podcast is about, yeah. right? Like trying to be true to yourself. So that's the part where I, I'm like, what you're saying is is now making me reevaluate everything because <laughs> I, I have also said, 
I said about like my theater and, and all those side pursuits. I'm like, I really do like that. And if I committed to that 100%, but it's difficult like, what would that like create? You, make, you have this job and it is a salary and you get paid a certain amount every two weeks. However, yeah, right. yeah two weeks. And, like, and you have this safety net. But you, all of that like goes to shit whenever you actually want to do something like theater or yeah, like any you, of the you arts. Have to, yeah. yeah, you have to build up on on whatever like any sort of creative field before you can actually like make any money off of it. So it's like a big gamble, and yeah, I don't. It's it's rough because a lot of the times it's like not feasible. Like you right. can't take those risks, and so it's. Well, and it gets, like, exponentially harder when you have kids that oh, are now yeah. relying on that money yeah, to do like, all oh, their things. Yeah, you can't be like, oh, hey, I, I quit my job. We might not be able to eat this week. Yeah. Because I want to, like, do stand-up for the rest of my life. Right. Which it could pan out, but it also might not. Yeah. So. Yeah, like, I mean, there was the, all these people who become successful artists in that regard um, often say that, like, the struggle is what pushed them to yeah. succeed because they were like, I have to get through this. I have to get past this. And they had to, like, just keep pushing. But if you have a situation where, like, I can fall back on, on my current life and not have any of these side projects and nothing would change yeah. in terms of, like, my family would still be fine. Like, everybody, everybody would be good. Um, like, knowing that, it just, it's like, well, then I guess I don't have to go to that extra comedy show. Or yeah. I don't have to try to, like, drive to New York for this one gig that's going to pay me $10. Like, mm-hmm. it's not worth it when I can just go back to work tomorrow and it's fine. And that's, that's like, the struggle that I have is, like... It's, like, comfort versus... Yeah. Like, I'd rather... Yeah. I, I have a, a thing in New York in a couple of weeks. It's not even paid. It's, like, one where I'm throwing my name in the hat. Mm-hmm. But I kind of want to do it because the theme fits a story I want to tell. And I'm, like, I kind of want to risk it. And pre-kids me probably would have been, like, yeah, sure, let's go. Yeah. Especially pre, like, job that I have now. But, yeah, the more stability you have in life, the harder it makes it to do those things because it... Yeah, it becomes actually riskier to do it. Yeah, which is why I'm done trying right to like answer these questions before it's too late. Yeah. And so, yeah. It sounds nihilist, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> the world is ending. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, in the end, nothing matters, so we're all going <laughs> to die. This is delightful. I know. <laughs> um, this is optimism. One I know, one. yeah. I, I'm just, like, sitting here just thinking about painful things of life now. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> Let's think of something happy. <laughs> Try to end on a high note. Yeah. Um, field hockey. No. Uh, <laughs> so fun. Yeah. Uh, oh, here's a positive thing to talk about. Your ancient relative was almost killed by an Otis elevator, you told me today. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> um, this was my mother's papa. My Papa, great which grandpa. is the opposite of Mima, I yeah. guess. This is Papa is my mamma's dad. Mamma. Yeah. Yes. He, um, I don't really know much about him other than he got his arm twisted in an elevator shaft. Ooh. Yeah. That seems pretty brutal. Yeah. But he gave me a $2 bill when I was born. So, awesome guy. So I'm From your perspective. Yeah, he's yeah. great. <laughs> um... Yeah, so that's just a random side note. Um, I think we're we're getting close to the end of the podcast. I have usually two segments I like to get into. Um, one is going to be donations, so we'll get to that in a second. And then I'll have a final question at the end. So before we get to that, now it's time for donations. 
donation directions. Directions on where and how to donate your donations. So I have two and I brought along. You can hear the paper. Some, yeah, you can hear the, the rustling. I have two. Um, the first one is the Philly Reading Coaches. Both of them are based in Philly, um, the two that I picked. Awesome. And Philly Reading Coaches, I literally am going to read the description from online because I feel like that would be way better than me just blabbering. <laughs> so um, it basically pairs trained volunteers with young students, so kindergarten through third grade. Um, and it does like fun guided reading experiences once a week for like an hour. And then each child like within the program gets 25 books. And so awesome. they get this like one-on-one -on -one experience where a volunteer like sits down and reads a few books with them. And then they get to take home 25 books. So, That's which also fantastic. is like, they, um, there's obviously like research where if you have books in the home, then you're gonna actually like read. Mm -hmm. And Philly has, I think one of like the lowest reading proficiencies nationwide. Yeah. And so this is like trying to combat that. Um, and then the next one, is Children's Scholarship Fund of Philly, and they basically team up with private or like charter schools um, in Philly, and they give scholarships to um, low-income families to send kids to schools um, that they choose, and it's not based on like religion or uh, they can really choose any school that they want, um, but it's really just like giving children in low-income. Um, situations, the opportunity for like a quality education. Cool. So yeah. Awesome. Thank you. So one's donation, one is volunteer based. There you go. <laughs> and uh, I appreciate that. And so we have one more question I'd like to ask at the end. What advice would you give to all the listeners out there about how they could be the most authentic version of themselves? I think it would be... I know that I was very negative towards the end there, but um, I guess I guess try to like see the optimism in things. <laughs> and I know that it's so contradictory to what I said, but um, I think that you can be both things successfully. Um, but yeah, I think that just trying to find the optimism in things and not always like trying to like see if someone is in fact being hypocritical being hypocritical, excuse me, um, but just, like, trying to see the good in people, I think. Awesome. Yeah. Short, sweet, simple. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you for being a guest. This has been awesome. Yeah, it's been fun. Uh, some real conversation that's not all about work, but then ended up kind of kind being of a lot being about work. Kind of about work, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think good questions to be asked, especially for people who are, like, thinking about the sort of internal conflicts and that place that you're in that's really awkward right after college so I appreciate your input yeah. um, I want to thank all the listeners as well uh, as always you can subscribe by going to twohippodcast.com slash subscribe and you can also send questions comments uh, guest recommendations anything else that's on your mind to twohippodcast.com slash contact and if you have anything else to say, you can send it on Twitter, direct message, anything like that. Thank you again for listening. This has been the Two Hip Podcast. Mm -hmm.